0: you know, over 100 years ago, uh, before there was major sporting events in these huge, humongous stadiums, before there was internet, uh, before people were actually creeped out by cr- clowns, there was the circus. And it was a big deal and people enjoyed it. And probably the center feature of the circus was the lion act. And so the, the, the lion tamer was of great esteem. There was a man by the name of Clyde Beatty who, who left home and joined the circus and worked his way up. And he became famous for his fighting act as the lion tamer. Um, And uh, he would, at one point in his bit, he had tamed multiple animals at the same time. So lion, cougar, tiger, hyenas, all of them tamed at the same time. Now what was interesting is most lion tamers um, had a short life expectancy. Um, There was something about just working with wild animals, non-domesticated animals, that they would just Oftentimes, an accident would occur, they'd get maimed, they'd die, and they wouldn't be able to continue on. Clyde Beatty lived into his 60s. He eventually died of cancer, but not lion taming. And so the question is, what created the sustainability in his craft? And it was, he was one of the very first ones to introduce the idea of a chair. Probably no other features or symbolize the the lion tamer than the whip and the chair. Now, the whip gets lots of attention because it draws lots of attention. It makes that cracking noise when you snap it a lot. But the real trick, the real secret to his success was in holding up a chair. And so here's how it worked. That's the thing that did the important stuff because when he'd hold it up in front of the lion, the lion wouldn't focus on one leg. He'd see four legs and wouldn't quite know where to focus his attention. Instead of going on the, on the prowl, he would sort of become muted. He, he sat still, getting confused, not knowing where to attack next. Fascinating. I would say... If there's one thing that we struggle with during this time to lose our perspective, most of all, it's because we all simply focus on too many things. There's so much clamoring for our attention, there's so much clamoring for for our heart that we get so distracted, we get so spread thin that we fail to actually focus on any one thing. Now, anytime you face concerns, demands, when you face a multitude of questions, maybe when you feel overwhelmed more than you do feel hopeful, can I just offer this simple reminder, focus on one thing, and what I'd like to suggest, it's in Christ alone. I would say this, I believe that the, uh, Christ is the hope of the world, and yet I, am not naive enough to look around the world and struggle to find hope. We look around at this world and, 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 and it's a little brutal. It's hard to see God's justice. It's hard to see God's mercy. It's hard to see the generosity of God. It's hard to see lots of things that reflect goodness. And yet, we have all been on the receiving end and have probably had some experience with random acts of kindness, with some kind of forgiveness, with some kind of mercy. We've not only witnessed it, we've had an encounter with it. We've seen marriages mended, we've seen bankruptcy averted. We've seen random acts of kindness and we've seen health restored. We've seen lots of things that don't always add up, but we can celebrate. So let me ask you this question tonight. How is your listening? Should I ask that one more time in case you missed it? How is your listening? I'm not asking the question about how well you hear tonight, but I'm asking the question, what is it that you've tuned your heart into? There is a way that we condition our hearts that we can become more sensitized. And so the question is, what are we listening to that would tune our hearts to hear? I think that there's a temptation if that you know, in our society today that if something is not making sense, if something doesn't add up, we're so quick to dismiss it. If something feels uncomfortable or inconvenient, we tend to wanna to avoid it. And yet what I would suggest is most of what we hear, maybe much of what we hear, needs to settle in And it needs to sometimes take roots because it's only then that it can ripen. Now it might be months, it might even be years, but I think much of what we start to tune our hearts in can become meaningful. Maybe the best illustration I have for this tonight is the dream that is Mission Hill's church. This didn't start last year when we came up with a name or start a couple years ago when I ironed out a few of these things we call rhythm or our spiritual practices that reflect the heart of God and form Christ in us. Actually, it started probably 15 years ago when I started experimenting with different ways to grow in faith and lead people. It started with experimenting and failing. It started with dreaming and having mentors speak into my life. It didn't just start because we came up with a brand or a name or a logo. There are things that we start to tune our hearts into that over time and over years can take root and become meaningful and God ripens them till now they start to bear fruit. I consider each of you part of the fruit of what God is doing in us and through us. Now, we've seen a couple of glimpses of what the Christmas story is. There's one other account in Luke's gospel. In Luke, um, he records where God's Holy Spirit reveals himself to the shepherds. Now, the shepherds weren't a credible crowd. The shepherds weren't people that, that, that um, were, were used to being, having good social skills. And yet God, in all of his infinite wisdom, chooses to reveal himself and say, there's going to be a sign and it's going to be a baby in a manger. Now go. And so they go and they show up and they find it just like the angels had said. And then they turn around and go. And we just read, I'll read a couple of the verses, verses um, 17 through 19. When they had seen him, they told them about this child and all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Ponder, that's an interesting word. What does it mean to ponder? We don't use that in everyday uh, vernacular, but the idea of pondering is an interesting one. You know what I think that it it probably may be a best way to summarize it is simply it's, it's taking things, holding things inside of us without resolution. It's learning to live with tension and maybe even questions because you understand that the faith in God is bigger than your doubts, your skepticism, and even your circumstances. When we begin to ponder things, or another language is listening, not hearing, just listening, I think we're able to hold things inside and sometimes not always have the answers without resolution. So imagine if you're Mary and she held these things inside. What are the things that don't add up? What are the things that don't make sense? What are the things that she's wrestling with? Well, for one, why is it that you would send some of the most undesirable social outcasts to become your messengers and the fact that people are amazed at what the shepherds declared? But of all the people that God could have instantly shown up on the scene of the crime, as it were, really, shepherds? this is your marketing strategy, you've got to come up with something more grand than this. Or probably trying to reconcile the thing in her heart that says, okay, God, if you wanted to take on form in humanity, why would you choose a poor teenage girl to get pregnant before she's even married? See, I think faith is part of living with a real tension that says sometimes things don't add up. But I believe that God is hope. But I believe that God is love. But I believe that God is sovereignly in control. That is, when I feel out of control, he remains in control. So then I ask the question, what are the tensions that we're living with today? Because we're all at a different place in our spiritual journey. And and wherever we're at, we have a wrestling match. Whether you acknowledge it or articulate it or not, but why is it that that we're looking and watching the news at civil war and civilians have been used for human shields. Where is God when that's happening? Or why is it that there's so much hunger in the world when God's good earth has enough to supply everyone bountifully? Or why are there senseless shootings and retaliatory violence. See, there are times when we need to hold these things in our heart with a kind of tension, believing that God is still on his throne, even though the world seems to be unraveling. So we ponder. And the reason we ponder is that so things can take root and eventually begin to ripen within us. It's the tension we all live with. Maybe the best illustration that Jesus gave of pondering was when in, in, in Mark chapter four, he gave the parable of the talents, or excuse me, parable of the seeds. And there were some seeds that were sat, scattered uh, and they fell on rocky soil and, and it just didn't take root, it was too shallow. Or other seeds that fell on, on thorny soil and, and it choked it out. But then there were some seed that fell on good and fertile soil and it began to blossom. And it's that kind of seed that I would suggest when we live with this healthy tension between the God of creation and the personal experience of him is this, seeds need to do what seeds are supposed to do. And the temptation in our instant gratification in our results oriented world is plant a seed and in three weeks, dig it up to see, is it budding yet? If you're involved in financial investments, you know, just let it sit. Don't ride every wave. Don't ride every election cycle. Let it sit. Play the long-term game. But we, in our need for results, are wanting to pick up the seeds and say, has it grown yet? This is why we give up on diet so fast. This is why gym memberships fail miserably, is because we don't see enough results soon enough. At least that's my theory anyway. Maybe it's the sport drinks or the fashion too, but nevertheless, well, as we live with tension, whether those be unresolved questions, whether they be our own doubts, whether they be difficult circumstances, I think when we're, when we allow God and, and tune our hearts to him, I think over time it does something with our faith. It does something with our experience, our wisdom, and even our perspective of God because ultimately the reality of Christ is going to be rooted in your and my personal experience. See the shepherds had a personal experience that no one could really argue with so they listened to them they didn't come back saying, let me tell you what we know, let me tell you what we learned. They simply shared the personal experience that they had with the angels and the parents and the Christ child. And so when we talk about a journey of faith, can I just suggest to you the most important thing that you can have, the most important thing that you can tune your heart to, is in a personal experience with a living Christ and a living faith. Because that is ultimately the thing that no one can take from you, but no one can really argue with. Maybe the the hardest part is that when we start to tune into God, we don't actually like what he says. We don't actually wanna listen to what it says. Um, But can I just suggest to you, it's hard to experience the healing nature of God if we don't pray in faith. It's hard to experience the compassion of God if we're not involved in actual giving. It's hard to experience the generosity of God or the provision of God if we're not involved in giving. It's hard to experience any of these things without it being part of our practice. So if we're suspicious or if we fundamentally believe that these things are true about God, that God is generous or hospitable or compassionate, then it, then it seems to reason those should become part of a daily practice. And through those, we get to tune our hearts to God. See, if we lack experience, all we're left with is a static text. Now, I believe that this is a living word, but if we, if we don't have personal experience, this thing starts to feel like a historical document. You know, anyone could have followed the star that day, but most people didn't. As far as we know, no one else did, but even if someone did follow the star, like the Magi's did, either they didn't know what it meant or They didn't have the courage to follow through on what it was saying. But these wise men did. Here's what I'm convinced of, is that God is not going to somehow hang a star over your home. But what I am convinced of is that he wants to get each of our attention. He wants to reveal himself in the most personal ways. And so it might be through a verse and it might be through a song that we sing. It might be through your own prayer time. It might be through caring for an aging parent or listening to the voice of a small child. It might be found in working with foster care or through a recent immigrant. But the reality is, is that God wants to capture our attention and invite us to participate with his hope and his restoration of all things. And so the point is to listen. And the invitation is to know him as we, like Mary, begin to experience God with us. The hope that we share tonight is the fact that Christ came. And we celebrate that. Not as a static holiday, but as a living reality that he is in fact coming again. That is is the good news of Christmas. And my invitation is to tune in to the spirit of a living God. And what doesn't always make sense, what doesn't always add up, doesn't mean God's not prompting, leading or guiding. Will you pray with me tonight? Our Father in heaven, it's with great anticipation and even some discouragement. It's with both hope and attention that we want to see you And we want to experience you. And um, I pray that you would tune our hearts. Help us to be like Mary. To ponder things that don't always resolve. Don't always add up. Because the ultimate goal is that we want to experience God, your, your Father, with us. We recognize our need for it. We recognize creation's need for it. Help us to be your participants in that salvation. We pray this in the name of the living Christ, amen.